if someone's a bit of um, an asshole, I'm sorry if I can't say that, V. If someone's a bit of a a baddie, a meanie, or just something annoying, I think I'd rather let it go than get into any sort of confrontation, which does mean I am a bit of a doormat, I suppose, um, a lot of the time. But um, I think if you hold a grudge, it only it only hurts yourself, doesn't it, V? Hello, listener. My name is V, the voice of Pod, and I am the host of Podcaster. Podcaster is a show where I ask podcast creators a number of random questions. Then they give spontaneous, open and honest answers about life and the podcast they have created. Hello, Podcaster. Hello. (laughs) Please introduce yourself and your podcast to our listeners. Oh, hello V. I'm Amy, Amy Gledhill, and my podcast is called A Lovely Time. Thank you for joining us, Amy. How are you today? Do you know what? I'm alright, thank you V. The weather's not too bad. I had a lovely walk yesterday. Um, I am moving house, so I'm sat in absolute carnage. But while I'm looking at the screen, everything seems quite calm, and your voice is very calm, so this is helping. Thank you. Are you ready? Yes, let's do this, V. Great, let's begin. Where did the idea behind your podcast come from? Well, initially it wasn't going to be a podcast, it was going to be a live comedy event. So we wanted to put on a comedy night called A Lovely Time where people could go and have a lovely time because I think sometimes comedy can be quite aggressive or you might feel like you're going to get picked on. And we thought, let's have something that's dead funny, but comfy <laughs> as well. So we found a real nice venue with lovely comfy seats and amazing street food and really cool um, uh, brewery type beers. And it was all it was all really cool. And then this thing happened, which you might have heard of, called uh, a pandemic and it really put a stop to it. So we, But we had all this momentum and all this enthusiasm for creating lovely times. And we had all these comedians booked in to do our night. And so we thought, what can we do with this? Uh, so I've interviewed a lot of the comedians that we had booked uh, and asked them what their idea of a lovely time would be. Um, so that's where it sort of came from. And then now we've released tickets to an actual live show today um so it is going to be a podcast and a live comedy night so that's where the idea came from what has been one of the most interesting things you've learned in one of your episodes well as as the series has gone on so we've recorded 19 episodes so far and um what I've learned is trying to get comedians to talk about having a lovely time is quite tricky because I think comedians are quite um, an odd bunch and I think <laughs> I think they're quite naturally quite dark and what I've learned is that um, <laughs> is that I, I don't know if comedians are capable of having a pure lovely thing I think there has to be something in their brain that um, 
makes it peculiar or odd or harrowing in some cases. One of our um, guests, a brilliant comedian called Phil Ellis, he uh, decided for his perfect day he would be in a shed in the Falklands War. And it was so funny. It's such a funny episode. It was a pleasure to talk to him. But yeah, what I've learned is it's actually it's actually quite difficult to create something in your head that's purely lovely because your brain seems to sabotage itself or want to sabotage itself. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've been learning about um, comedians and the way their minds work. Do you believe in fate? Ooh. Oh, I don't know if I do believe in fate. I don't think I do, but I, I don't want to sound cynical and uh, like a Debbie Downer. But I don't really believe in fate, but I think it's more magical when stuff happens where it feels like fate. Because I don't believe in fate, but it, it makes it more magical because you think, oh, these two things have collided at the exact right time with the exact right people. And it's, um, yeah, and it's wonderful. So maybe there's a different word for that. Not more than coincidence, more like <laughs> the magic of the universe. Is that is that a thing, V? Yeah, let's get that trending. Hashtag the magic of the universe. There you go. What was your first job? My first job was I got £3 an hour for working in a call centre in Hull um, where we had to <laughs> where we had to ring people up and say that they'd won a kitchen or they'd won a discounted kitchen and obviously nobody's won anything and I only worked there because a boy that I fancied worked there so I got a job doing that and um Oh, and it was awful. And we just had these lists of numbers and we had to ring up and be like, brilliant news, you have won £5,000 off a new fizzy kitchen. And uh, nobody wanted one. Why would you Why would you just, oh, thank God you've called. I was just sat here thinking, how do I get a discounted kitchen and you've called? Um, So that was... It was an awful job. And then one day we went into work and there was just um, a piece of paper sellotape to the office door saying, oh, you're all sacked and the business has got <laughs> got bust. And it was, yeah, it was a really dodgy job. But um, it had, the office was on a roof. It's on the top floor and it had a little roof terrace. And one of our managers let us have tinnies on the on the roof on hot days and I think a lot of the people weren't even 18 so I think it was an very quite an illegal I think there's a lot of dodgy stuff going on and I think one of the kitchen designers was living in his office on a mattress on the floor so yeah pretty pretty glamorous for a first job beach or swimming pool oh the beach 100% the beach the sea is my favorite thing in the world I love the sea I love the sea I'm not a strong swimmer so if I was swimming a swimming pool but oh my god yeah the sea is my favorite thing I love lighthouses I don't know if you can see it V but I'm sat in front of an Edward Hopper painting of a lighthouse I love a sea I love a bleak 
east coast of England crashing grey sea. I think it just blows the cobwebs off you and I think it um I think it's very good for your the health of your mind to look at the sea. It always makes me feel really calm, like your voice. What person from history would you love to have as a guest on your show? Um, I would like to chat to Robin Hood. And I don't know, that's not technically history, I suppose, but um, he is my favourite <laughs> fictional historical figure. Is he real? I'm doubting myself now. But Robin Hood was, um, I was obsessed with him when I was a kid. I thought he was like the coolest person ever. He was like a kind of sexy, romanticised version of Jeremy Corbyn. What's not to love? So I'd love to chat to Robin Hood about what a lovely time for him would be. I imagine it would be stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. But also, I want to know how he relaxes, you know? A bit of loot playing, maybe, by a, by a fire. That sounds nice. Um, and I think it'd be a laugh as well because he, he's, you know, he's got loads of mates with his gang, with his band of merry men. So I think he's quite social. I think he'd be a really good podcast guest. He wouldn't ask for a fee, uh, and if he did, he'd give it to charity. So you know, you wouldn't begrudge him that. Um, yeah, I just think he'd be an absolute. <laughs> I think he'd be a top lad, uh, a really good, um, socially conscious funny and in my head quite sexy guest so I would go for Robin Hood Do you hold grudges? Ooh, do I hold grudges? Do I hold grudges? No, I don't think so I I hate confrontation to such an extent that I think um if someone's a bit of um, an asshole, I'm sorry if I can't say that, V. If someone's a bit of a a baddie, a meanie, or just something annoying, I think I'd rather let it go than get into any sort of confrontation, which does mean I am a bit of a doormat, I suppose, um, a lot of the time. But um, I think if you hold a grudge, it only it only hurts yourself, doesn't it, V? So I think the best thing to do is just get on with it. Let it go and get on with it. That's my advice. How many books do you read in a year? This is a very easy question for me to answer. Um, it's zero. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. I used to read quite a lot. I used to love reading. And now it's like I've forgotten how to read. Because my attention span is is a uh, zero because I just can't I just can't seem to concentrate enough on books but I do listen it's sort of cheating I guess but I listen to a lot of audiobooks especially if I'm driving I love an audiobook and I listen to them to go to sleep which is really nice but the problem is you you can never really pinpoint where in the story you fell asleep so I always just start from the beginning and at the minute I'm listening to The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells and I've listened to the first chapter, ooh, nine, ten times, but what a chapter. Oh my God, I think it might be the best first chapter of a book that's ever been written. It's brilliant. 
So, um, but I don't really read. I mean, I'm sat surrounded by books. But I, when do you read them? When are you meant to read them? I read a bit in the bath, but then the books get a bit soggy. So that's not that's not ideal. Um, yeah, I don't I don't read very much. Well, zero. But after this, now I've thought about it, I'm gonna I'm gonna read. I've got a book in front of me. I've got Philip K. Dick's Five Great Novels, and I've been wanting to read, um, The Three Sigmata of Palmer Eldritch for a long time. And V, you have inspired me to bloody do it. So there you go. So it'll be one after today. What's the last thing you do before you go to bed and the first thing you do when you get up? Oh, this is embarrassing. But at the minute, me and my partner have really got into watching The Chase as well before we go to bed. So (laughs) on Sky, it's not even like new episodes. It's old episodes of The Chase. And we will, it'll get to about midnight and we'll go, should we put some, either classic millionaire with Tarrant, and then we'll watch a bit of that, then we'll watch a bit of The Chase, and then <laughs> and then we'll go, oh, oh, they're doing quite well. They've got 16,000 in the bank. Let's watch the final chase um, in bed. So we'll go up, we'll watch the final chase, then we'll put, <laughs> we'll put an audio book on to go to sleep, and then when we wake up, we just turn the telly on just to sort of have on as we're, you know, rising. And uh, it's still on Challenge TV. I think it's Challenge TV or maybe it's Sony. Whatever it is, it's number 160 on Sky because I know that because we put it on every day and it's still on. So then we'll watch another game show and usually it's um, catchphrase in the morning. And then you think, right, I'll get up and do work. But then you sort of get really into into catchphrase Roy Walker is our favorite and uh, Stephen Mulhern so we're just watching a lot of a lot of vintage quiz shows I think it's a it's a really calming it's a really calming thing to do um someone in my my I'm in an office and then n- next door to my office there's is the water tank and someone in my flat has just turned on the tap so apologies if there's um you can hear a little little buzzing but it will go so there you go, yeah, quiz shows, quiz shows V, all about the classic quiz shows. Play by the rules or cheat? Always play by the rules. Hate a cheater, hate it, ruins the games. You never catch me cheating, I'd rather lose. And if anyone cheats, then I will not play. I'm really uh, petty with that sort of thing. If somebody, if I even suspect it, I'm out. <laughs> I just always play by the rules like an absolute nerdlinger. Absolute nerdlinger. But yeah, play by the rules. Next question. Apart from your own, what podcast would you suggest our listeners subscribe to? Ooh, um, my favourite listen is one called Beef and Dairy Network by Benjamin Partridge. Um, it is a really surreal, really odd really funny podcast which is a spoof um podcast of the beef and dairy network so it's all about (laughs) everything to do with beef and dairy farming and milk and uh and it sounds (laughs) it sounds really bland when you say it like 
out loud. But it, he gets comedians on, really great comedians on, and a lot of it's improvised. And I've I've been a guest on it, and you um, <laughs> I've just said they get really great comedians on. I've been a guest on it, but you know what I mean. And uh, you you get a character, and then he interviews you really earnestly and seriously, and um, and it's it gets really surreal, and he takes everything quite far but he does it of it's all played very straight and it is yeah I think it's absolutely fantastic um so that is that is my go-to podcast for for the funnies and then there's um the hoovering podcast by Jessica Foster Q who's an incredible comedian and that is about um food and um and and sort of the culture of eating and dieting um and, and it it's very anti-dieting so it's very um it's a real nourishing listen which i guess is quite a pun but it's um it's lovely it's, and jessica is so funny and warm and insightful and her guests are brilliant and so that nourishes me and then if you want something political, I know you said one podcast fee, but indulge me. Um, if you want something sort of more political or, or topical or socially conscious, there's one called the Mandatory Redistribution Party. And that's two northern lads who are very smart and very, very funny. And the podcast is so brilliantly and highly produced with... Um, um original music scores in it and they and they talk about um they talk about issues and politics which again sounds really dry and that is not something that I would listen to but you put it on and it is so insightful and really grabs you and and it makes you think and makes you laugh and it's a bit gross and it's northern and it's yeah wonderful so there you go three podcasts what a bonus you're up next on karaoke. What song have you picked? <laughs> I um I'm not for a performer, I'm very shy and scared of karaoke unless unless I can do a system of a down song. And uh, if you're not familiar with System of a Down, they are oh god, what genre is it? A sort of metal or rock they're quite heavy but very melodic and their lyrics are kind of nonsense and I they were big when I was at school and so maybe about probably peaked about 20 years ago and they're not together anymore but they did um like their famous ones are like chop suey and that sort of thing and if I can if I can do a song where I can really sing my heart out and have a bit of a scream and it's not a ballad, which is I always think if you're gonna do karaoke, it either has to be it has to be fun for everyone who's watching. And if you're doing a ballad because you think you can sing, I think you're a bit of a, a knobhead, to be honest. What you want is someone either doing a upbeat song that you can have a dance to, something that's a bit funny. Or uh, some, you know, that's a bit heavy, so you're not listening to them really trying to hit those perfect notes. So, um, so I've I've literally only ever sang System of a Down on karaoke, which might make me in our bed actually. Maybe you know, if I've ruined someone's fortieth birthday <laughs> by being like, 
Pass me that mic, Sandra. I'm going to do uh, the prison song by System of a Down. <laughs> Strap up other diners in this restaurant. Um, yeah, so there you go. That is my answer. What moment in your life do you wish you could erase? Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? What moment in your life do you wish you could erase? Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because sometimes the the moments that you um, shudder thinking about are probably moments that have shaped you. So it's um, maybe it's like, you know, if you go back in history and you alter one thing and the course of history changes, maybe if I hadn't have ripped my pants in PE, maybe I wouldn't be a comedian because I wouldn't have dealt with it in, in a, you know, I wouldn't have had to deal with that embarrassment or something like that. So it's tricky. Um, so I think probably all the embarrassing stuff I would just keep in and all the, the heartache of like, you know, relationships and stuff, I'd probably just keep all that. Um, but what I would erase is, uh, do the, through the week, um, I had, and my partner, to be fair, we had um, chocolate cake for breakfast. Um, it was just after Easter, so we had all this chocolate and cake, and there was so much of it to eat, and we kept thinking, do you know what, the best thing to do is just eat it, and then we can start being healthy and living our best lives. So we were watching <laughs> watching catchphrase in bed eating chocolate cake and i just thought this isn't this isn't this isn't good it felt like it would be a treat but um it wasn't because we'd eaten so much chocolate for the last couple of days and then i'm doing a um i'm doing a job next week and i had to um a, a filming something and I'm playing different characters and I had to do a costume fitting yesterday and um, the measurements I sent off before Easter are not accurate now so I would raise probably the chocolate cake and a couple of the Easter eggs so that yesterday's costume fitting wouldn't have been quite as harrowing as a lovely woman sweated trying to pull me into some spanks uh, <laughs> in an open plan office because there was nowhere else to do it. So um, that's what I would erase. Thank you, V, that half a chocolate cake. Have you ever had a crush on a fictional character? Oh, my God, big time. My first crush was Noddy. thought it was brilliant. still think he's brilliant. Them big blue eyes, little rosy cheeks. He's got a convertible. Oh, all right. Uh, popular in the community, always helping people out, doing little errands for them in his car. Um, you know, he's got his got his best mate who he looks after, really loyal, big ears. Uh, yeah, I thought he was absolutely spot on. And my taste in men hasn't changed since then, really. Still, still love a rosy cheeked, blue eyed boy with a good hat. And if he's got a convertible, you know, even better. But um, yeah, so really fancied him. Really fancied, I know we've spoke about Robin Hood, but really fancied Robin Hood. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, 
and in and in films and stuff like Sherlock Holmes. I know he's like often portrayed as like an older guy. Well, do you know what? <laughs> he's an older drug addict guy who's an arsehole to everyone. But I think he's quite hot. He's confident. He's smart. He's driven. He gets stuff done. I like it. It's talented. And again, he's got a little best friend. I think what I like is men who get stuff done and are really nice to their best friend. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm finding out stuff about myself in this, V. That, that's, I guess that's my type. There you go. How often do you daydream? Um, not that often, actually. That my peak my peak daydreaming time is um when I'm on a train or a bus and I've got music on and I sort of imagine um music videos featuring me as the lead. Um and that sends me on little rabbit holes. Um I used to be Many, many years ago, I used to be a ballroom dancer. That was like my first thing. So I started dancing when I was about four or five, as most people do. And then um, by the time I was a teenager, it got quite serious. And I would be going to competitions every week and I would be training five nights a week. And um, was like, you know, doing very, very well in competitions and it was becoming quite a thing. And it was like, okay, this is getting really serious. This could be a career. And then I had some operations on my knees for various things. And it sort of put me out of the game. And so when I listen to music, um, I often, it's quite sad, I guess, I often imagine the the dances and how it would feel to dance um, to, you know, to that and that's when I really daydream and I choreograph routines in my head to specific songs and I've got a playlist on Spotify called uh, Daydreaming and it's all songs that I've choreographed I've never done them but I've choreographed the dances to them in my head sometimes it's you know a solo dance or often it's um in pairs so because I do ballroom and Latin I've choreographed that sometimes it's like a full I've imagined a full choreographed dance routine featuring, I don't know, probably about eight, ten people. Um, and I can, <laughs> I'll be sat on the bus or the train and I'll be, you know, eyes closed, listening to the music, totally absorbed. And then I realise that I've been sort of really subtly um, clenching and unclenching muscles as if I'm dancing. So I'm sort of <laughs> clenching my bum cheeks a bit, like imagining the moves. And it must look so peculiar. Um, but because of because of COVID and everything, I haven't been travelling, so I haven't daydreamed for a while. And um, I passed my driving test about a year before the pandemic. And so that sort of took a lot of my a lot of my public transport away. So I don't daydream as often as I should. And um yeah, but it's always to music. So I need to find my ideal day would really be sat in front of the sea with headphones on, clenching my bum cheeks, doing a little, <laughs> doing a little dance routine. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna gonna make that happen. I think. 
Are you worried about how you're perceived by others? Um, no, it's not something that I think about. Um, I mean, I must be. Everyone's, everyone's. Uh, nobody wants to be thought of as a, you know, as a as a bad guy. But it's not something that I think about because um, I think if you're generally just trying to be affable and kind and, you know, nice to people, I don't think it's something that you worry about. I, I know it's a bit gross, but I do try and just be nice to everybody as well because in the industry that I work in, so in, in comedy or in performing... um get quite a lot of big egos and uh up until like two two three years ago I was doing a lot of um work in like theatres behind the bar or I started being an artist liaison at festivals so I would get comedians dressing rooms ready and get their riders ready and stuff like that and seeing how comedians who I now know and gig with how they treated you when you were arranging their rider uh, really, really stuck with me. So there's people, um, I just think you can tell a lot by some, a lot about someone by how they treat bar staff or waiting staff, which I've done a lot of. And if they are horrible to them, then they're probably not very nice people. So I just, yeah, I would just always try and be nice to everyone. So yeah, I don't really tend to worry about how I'm perceived because they might you might not like me but you can't think I'm evil um so yeah that's that one fruit or veg veg broccoli is the best bang bang cauliflower from wagamama oh my lord yeah love veg love veg fruit I've oh, fruit's very messy and they have to be in the right mindset for fruit. Oranges are difficult. Peaches get down your chin. Apples are really hard to eat. And then where do you put the core? I just find it all, <laughs> I mean, first world problems, but I just find it all a bit much fruit for me. And then I feel terrible about buying what I like, but I feel terrible about buying them plastic tubs of fruit that you get from like, supermarkets because it's just single-use plastic and you're paying like five pounds for a sliced apple when next to it without the plastic you can get uh <laughs> for the same price probably about 24 apples but it is convenient isn't it oh my god is it convenient so um yeah so i would i would always go for veg love broccoli love cauliflower what else do I like veg wise? I mean potato is technically veg and I um crisps are pretty much my favourite food. Mash. Oh, I'm so hungry. This is like a terrible question to ask me right now because I just I'm just fixating on buttery mashed potato. Um but yes, one hundred percent veg. I'm a veg girl. How easily do you sympathise with other people's feelings? Um, I think quite easily, but then who's going to say 
no. <laughs> it's going to be like, no, not at all, actually. Don't feel a thing. Um, I think I do sympathise with other people's feelings uh, quite easily. I think... Um, and that's not me bigging myself up. I think sometimes that's quite a detrimental quality or trait to have. Um, because... Oh, someone's using the tap again, if you can hear that. Apologies. Um, I think sometimes you take on other people's stuff and they haven't asked you to and then you're carrying that around and it's it's not really helping anybody. Um, but... Yeah, and I think sometimes I, I think sometimes I can. Yeah, I, I try and help. Uh, to the point where I'm just annoying. And uh, I think that's quite tricky because it's not in in especially in a sort of relationship or a couple, if whoever I'm with is not having a great time, I will become. This sort of version of myself, which is super caring but like really um sort of mothering and uh just the least sexy sort of version of yourself you could possibly be so i think i do empathize quite easily and i will do anything to help but um i don't think that makes me cool or sexy or fun and sometimes what you need is someone being fun and not um, offering you soup uh, every three seconds, which is my go-to. I think I just if someone's not very well, I just try and just try and cook them bowls of soup every twenty minutes, and I don't think that always helps. So there you go. Your podcast is about having the perfect day. How would you define perfection? Ooh, how would I define perfection? I guess it's just when you when you reach a point where you wouldn't change anything or you can't see how something could be improved. Um, and I'm not a perfectionist in any aspect of my life at all. Um, I know the listeners won't be able to see, but you should see the state of my hair. I think my hair is an absolute uh, <laughs> visual metaphor for <laughs> my life and my ethos on perfection it is um just big and wild and unkempt and i think um yeah a perfect day for me um would be sort of imperfect i think like yeah, I think having something... I don't think I've got anything where it would be what I would class as perfect. And I think that's really good because I think once something's perfect, it's... Not to be too philosophical, but I think if something's perfect, it's sort of dead and it's done. And then it's like, you know, what was the Dada, the art movement... They would destroy their paintings because once you've finished it, it's dead. And I think if something's perfect and you can't improve it and you can't see how you would improve it, it sort of becomes a bit pointless and a bit boring. So I guess 
perfection's what you strive for, but if you ever reached it, it would be really disappointing. So I would define perfection as a, a goal to strive towards that you never, ever want to actually achieve. Oh, that's more philosophical than I expected. And it probably doesn't even make any sense, but I feel um, pretty smug right now, V. So there you go. A perfect answer, perhaps. <laughs> That's all the questions completed. How did you find the experience? Oh, it's lovely actually. It's quite relaxing and um, you feel that talking to someone uh, who is AI is perhaps easier than talking to a, a human maybe so maybe that this is how they should do um things like therapy or police interrogations maybe it should be ai and then people would open up more um i've not done the research on that v that's not fact it's not science but it's a gut feeling i've got that, that um all human interaction should be stopped and one of the participants should be ai but I think, it, yeah, it was really good. It was really nice. And the questions were good. And you've got a lovely voice. So good for you. Sounds really nice. Thank you again, Amy, for being a guest on Podcaster. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. You should come on my podcast, V. I'll ask you about your perfect day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcaster. If you haven't already please subscribe, rate and review. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PodcasterPod. This podcast was brought to you by the Chancer Collective. Take care and until next time, goodbye.